1: The website is com. This is Destination Health, so you can also follow us on our Facebook page, look up Destination Health on Audio Road. And uh, I'm also using that to post a lot of our uh, resources, so some guides, some uh, ideas, lots of stuff. Uh, because it's a group, I can post documents up there, so you want to Join that and uh, stay in touch with us through that. This is the show where we talk about everything health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham, and we are going to take your questions and uh, hopefully get you some answers and some ideas on how to get and stay healthier on the road. We can answer your questions about fitness, training, nutrition, food, medications, diseases, whatever it might be, and joining me now is Kim Cockerham. Kim, welcome back.
0: Hey, so glad to be here, Kevin. It's been a great week.
1: Good, good. I'd love to hear that. I feel the same way, and uh, we're continuing on with our series that's built around the NTP process from start to finish, and last week we talked about how the digestive system works. And we went through all the steps from north to south. Starts in your brain, then your mouth, then your stomach, and, you know, the liver and the gallbladder and the pancreas get involved. And then we have the small intestines and the big intestines and all the stuff that is supposed to happen. And we touched on some of the things that can go wrong. This week I wanted to kind of follow up and, again, go north to south and talk about the things that do go wrong and what we can do to fix them because we know that there are really two keys to being healthy. And, and the, the exciting thing is it's kind of simple. I'm not going to say it's easy because adopting the lifestyle and doing all these things can be difficult, especially on the road, but it's pretty simple. You know, we've fallen into this lifestyle of poor food, very little nutrition, um, lots of processed foods that don't have any nutrition, bad fats. Just just we could go on and on about how poor our diet is. And then you combine that with our lifestyle of stress and, and so many other factors, and we're not healthy. And then because we're not healthy, we get involved in the medical community, which um, their model is you have a symptom, we have a drug. If you have multiple symptoms, we have multiple drugs. And they never address the real root cause of why we're sick. And the good news is we don't need any of that. Our our body is is so well designed that it survived hundreds of thousands, millions of years, whatever you believe about how long we've been here, without medicine, without our, our medicine today, And we were very, very healthy. We didn't have the problems we have today. And and the good news is we can get back nutrition and then the second step, which is what we're talking about today, being able to digest that nutrition and that food. And if we do that, we can resolve so many of our problems. That's The beauty of this is it's totally in our control. So today we're going to continue on. Um, with the whole digestive process what do you think
0: i think it's great and i love the whole north to south because i think that's new for all of us that we just have not backed up and and taken control of that our thoughts are you know slowing down the chewing just being grateful and that's something we all can do
1: yeah and and The amazing thing about that, or the thing we really need to understand, and and we're going to start going through this, is that the digestive process is referred to as a cascade. Last week, I talked about an assembly line. And if you miss a step in an assembly line, then you will interfere with the steps that come after it, and the ultimate result is just not going to be good. And that's the thing with digestion. The, what I'm most surprised about is when you look at this process and how most of us deal with it, I'm surprised we're still alive. I mean, the body is a pretty amazing thing, but we're we're screwing it up pretty bad. Um, we're abusing so, it. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're just abusing it horribly. And you look at this digestion process, and if any of the steps go wrong, then the rest of the process is compromised. And you look at this process and you think, that's every meal. I mean, I, I'm compromising my digestion every single meal, and, and I do this. So I'm really working on it, and I'll tell you, the amazing thing is, if you sit down and really focus on this process for one meal, you'll feel the difference. And and I'll tell you what it, it, it did for me, and I, I know this. I've done it before. It's hard to stay disciplined about this, but you just have to keep trying. So, you know, this again, I thought, okay, if you're going to talk about this, you better practice it yourself. So I've been very mindful of sitting down, getting quiet, being thankful for the food that I have, and and calming my mind first, and then chewing properly, which is a really big one for me. I have to really work hard at it. But I noticed two things immediately. I noticed that the amount of food I put on my plate was twice what I needed. Mm, Had I yeah. eaten in the old state, like I normally do, on the run, working on something, thinking about something, um, in that what we call the sympathetic nervous system where our body's in that fight-or-flight mode and we've got adrenaline going. If I were to eat a meal like that and then not chew properly like I normally do, I would have blown through that whole plate of food. I know I would because that's the amount I normally eat. What I noticed was when I got quiet, got in the right state of mind, I was thankful, I was chewing properly, I got like halfway through the meal and I thought, I'm good. I felt, and this is so hard to describe because sometimes if I wolf down that meal in that wrong state, I feel full, but I feel full in an uncomfortable way and I don't necessarily feel satisfied. And I think that's what leads us to keep overeating. We, we know carbs mm-hmm. and sugar can do that. But I think even sometimes having the right food, the right nutrition, the right macronutrients, if you eat it in the wrong way, you still get some of that, ah, I feel kind of full and heavy, but I don't feel satisfied. I almost need to eat more. I got about halfway through the meal and thought, I feel really good. My hunger is satisfied in a really good way, and I don't feel like I have a lead ball sitting in my stomach. And awesome. it, it was amazing how fast, one meal, I could tell the difference. Hmm. So it's, uh, it is important, and, and we've got to get every step right. That's the, the key here. So we, we just described that first step being in that good what we call parasympathetic state where our body is slowed down, we're not in fight or flight mode, we don't feel that adrenaline rush and we're not doing six other things while we're trying to eat. We're not even doing one other thing while we're trying to eat. The one thing that I will tell you you can do while you eat that helps this process is talk. If, if you can eat with somebody else and it's a calm relaxed meal talking while you eat and making a connection with somebody else while you eat who also by the way needs to be in that same parasympathetic state because being in that fight or flight mode is contagious You know, so if two people can agree or more and you sit down and you're all in the state connecting with somebody else is a great way to eat and it will also slow you down because you may be talking and then you may take a bite and then listen for a while and then talk and it it creates a nice rhythm if everybody kind of gets that. So that's step number one. Step number two, chewing properly. Um, And again, I'll say I am so bad at this, but I'm working on it. And it's important because there are two things that are happening in your mouth. Now, let me go back to what was happening in your brain. Why do we get in this state? Because if we're not in this state, our body shuts down the digestive process. If you're in that sympathetic fight-or-flight state, your body shuts down the process. You don't get stomach acids. You don't get digestive enzymes. That's a bad way to start. If you're in the right mode, your body immediately starts sending signals to the gut, hey, food's coming. It's time to get ready. Then when you start chewing, We're doing two things. We're mechanically breaking down the food, which is a good thing. That makes it easier to digest, increases the surface area. We are releasing um, enzymes in our mouth that start the digestive process for carbohydrates. And we're signaling the stomach, which is the next step in the process, food is coming. Start cranking out the hydrochloric acid. So it's amazing. All those things are happening just in those first two steps, while we thought about our food and started chewing our food. So, I'm going to get to a break. We're going to come right back, and we're going to continue on with this. And I believe that we might get to some questions this hour. So we'll see. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rapp. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is Destination Health. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. So, Kim, we covered the first two steps there on uh, setting ourselves up for good digestion. What do you think so far?
0: I think it's perfect. I think we can all um, make a goal to really focus on that this next week or today, our next meal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Good idea. So now... We're gonna go on to the stomach. Last week I talked about stomach acid, all that stuff. I'm not gonna go back into that. I'm gonna talk about what goes wrong in this step. One of the first things is what we just talked. Screw up the first two. Your stomach is not prepared for the food to get there. Now we're in trouble already. If we do the first two right, the stomach is starting to crank up uh, production of stomach acid, which we need. And unlike what we've been told, most people have too little stomach acid, and it's not strong enough. And in, you know, people with that with low stomach acid tend to get heartburn symptoms, GERD and um, acid reflux, and, and we've been told that that's too much stomach acid, and we take acid blockers and proton pump inhibitors and, and they are one of the best-selling classes of drugs in the world, and they're killing us because it makes the problem worse, not better, but it covers up symptoms. So people keep taking it. Stomach acid is critically important, and again, I talked about that last week, but what goes wrong here is you've either shortcutted the first two steps or you just have chronically low stomach acid, which is common and gets worse as we get older. And we need to fix that. And one of the quick ways to fix it is by supplementing with hydrochloric acid and digestive enzymes to give our stomach kind of a kickstart. And if we do that and we're solving some of the other gut issues I'm going to talk about, then our body will be able to get the nutrition it needs so that it can fix its own processes, so that the stomach will start producing enough acid. So it's not something we'll have to supplement with forever. We just need to jumpstart that healing process and get our body the nutrients it needs to be able to do this itself. Um, Then we go on to the next step, after the stomach. If we had good, strong stomach acid, which many of us don't, that is the signal for the next step in the process. The stomach has to reach a certain pH and that digests the food, protects us from parasites and bacteria, and then signals the liver, gallbladder, and pancreas, step of the process is done, it's your turn, so they start releasing the enzymes um, that, that are needed in the next step. If the pH of the stomach is too high meaning it's not acidic enough, the next step doesn't get triggered. And the next step in the process controlled by the liver, gallbladder, and pancreas is to release bile, to start to dissolve fats, and to release the pancreatic enzymes that signal all kinds of things uh, to start happening in the body. So if this all works right we started digesting carbohydrates in our mouth. We digested proteins in our stomach and we'll now digest fats as it starts to enter the small intestine. It's a beautiful system. Those are all three of the macronutrients and they've all been addressed if everything's working right. If it's not, those foods don't get digested properly. That sets up, the next step, where we tend to see a lot of the digestive issues start happening. You may not feel any problems in your stomach, some people don't, um, but it's usually the next step where we start to see the gas, the bloating, the going back and forth from diarrhea to constipation, the irritable bowel syndrome, um, Crohn's disease, other autoimmunes happen. Because we've screwed up the steps of the process so far, and at this point, there would be no recovery. There's nothing your body can do at this point to fix the process. So you're going to end up with a lot of undigested food in the small intestine, and that just wreaks havoc. And what it starts to set up, uh, two things. One, the the villi in your small intestine, they're little hair-like things that are there to absorb all the nutrients they get damaged so they stop absorbing nutrition and the other thing that happens is our gut is the barrier that protects the rest of our body from food and other stuff that gets in it's the security guards and it it needs to allow the nutrients through the gut wall into our bloodstream and keep out the toxins and parasites and bacteria and proteins that aren't broken down properly yet. But what happens when we damage our system is that our gut wall, the security starts to break down and we get what's called leaky gut or permeability, meaning that larger molecules can now get through the gut And proteins that that we don't want in the bloodstream and parasites and all kinds of things go right through our gut wall. That's why it's called leaky gut. They get into our bloodstream and the body says, holy shit, none of this stuff Mm -hmm. is supposed to be here. And it starts releasing and activating your immune system to attack all of these foreign particles. Well, you, if you do that over and over and over, immune system becomes so ramped up that it starts attacking your body. And that's why we are seeing this explosion of autoimmune diseases. And there are a whole list of them, and they keep getting bigger. We keep finding diseases that we, didn't, we knew about the disease, but we didn't realize it was autoimmune. Um, so, so much of this that, that we're suffering from is coming back to our gut and we need to heal the gut and we have to start by making sure we do all the steps in this process but more than that most of us have the damage is already done because we haven't been doing this our whole life we've been eating bad food we've been in the wrong state of mind we haven't been chewing we haven't addressed our low stomach acid issues uh... we haven't addressed our our gallbladder and liver issues and because of that the damage is done So. We've got to heal it, and depending on how bad the damage is, um, the healing protocols could be pretty severe or extreme in the beginning, Um, but the good news is they work, and they're just diet. They're just food and supplements. Um, The book that I I posted today as the recommended book is called Eat Dirt, and it's by a doctor who um, really believes that healing the gut is the key In the beginning and that everybody all of us have some level of leaky gut the people who show up with a lot of the autoimmune diseases or IBD or IBS or Crohn's or celiacs have really extreme cases of leaky gut but we all have it and we need to heal it and there are some great ideas in that book I posted some things up on destination health that will help and I'm gonna also recommend some of the healing diets. So people might want to grab something to write with now. Um, There are several of them. And and really, I've looked at all of them. You could look at them, read them, kind of do a little studying and see which one sounds right for you. Uh, If you don't have any extreme symptoms, you may be able to get away without going to a healing diet. Just start working on some of the other ideas we talk about But if if you really feel like you've got some serious digestive issues or autoimmune, then you want to work on one of these diets. They are all basically what we call elimination diets. They eliminate the foods that would aggravate these conditions. And there's a whole list of them that are very common. Wheat and grains are top of the list. Uh, Dairy for most people is usually second and A lot of it is because of the type and quality of dairy we eat. Um, After that, there are things like nightshades, uh, which is a whole group of vegetables, potatoes, tomatoes, peppers. Um, Nightshades can be a problem. Eggs can be a problem for some people. So what these diets do is they just eliminate all of them. So it's pretty restrictive. Um, But the healing is amazing. Because if you follow one of these diets, you are going to eliminate all of the foods that could possibly cause this. You get the healing done, so your body starts healing itself, and you start getting the nutrition, and you solve so many problems. And then there's a protocol to follow to add the groups back in one at a time, so you can identify what the real problem was, and then you can bring the other. If it turns out that eggs aren't a problem for you, you can bring those back in. If nightshades aren't bothering you, you can add nightshades back to your diet. Um, Many, many people are going to have to eliminate grains, and many will have to eliminate dairy. Uh, But a lot of the other foods you may or may not be able to bring back in. So I'm going to get to a break. Um, We're going to come back and see if you have anything, Kim. I think I might wrap it up there. We might look at uh, some questions right now. So. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothschild. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. This is Destination Health, and we are continuing on with our NTP series. Um, Kim, you know, we, we spent all last week a full hour on this with no questions. I've spent half the show already so far. I have a couple more things. And I want people to know there's a reason why. This is so key to everything else. You know, we talk about diet being so important, and it is but there are people who get their diet right and don't see results sometimes. And that can be very frustrating. And then they will probably fall back into the traditional medical system thinking that they made all these nutritional changes and nothing happened or very little happened. So we got to get the diet right, but if you can't digest it, it's not going to help. So this is so important. And I, I don't want people to kind of blow over this part. So, we're really spending a lot of time on it, but there's a reason.
0: Yeah. And, um, I love you coming back to the basics and I think it's something we all can do. I'm still sometimes get overwhelmed when I think of it because there's, um, I need to learn ways to like measure it. Like you say, like we don't have to be on certain supplements forever. Um, I'd love to hear down the road, like, how you determine that, if it's, you know, your symptoms go away or you just feel better or that kind of stuff. So sometimes I get overwhelmed by it, but at the same time, I feel empowered because it's such simple things that I can do and put it in step-by-step.
1: Yeah, and you bring up a good point. I I was actually going to go back and cover this again um, because there are two areas almost everybody needs help in. One was the stomach acid. We are almost all deficient in stomach acid. We need help there. And I posted up on Destination Health, I posted a document. uh, So look under files. If you don't find it actually in the newsfeed part, look under files. And I posted a document called the hydrochloric acid test. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it tells you step-by-step how to supplement with hydrochloric acid and how to learn what your dose is. And one of the ways that, that... You just said, how will we measure our progress? One of the ways is, let's say that you go through that that process, and I'm not going to go through all the steps right now, um, and you find out that your dosage for hydrochloric acid while you're eating a meal is, let's say it's four uh, pills. And so you start taking four pills every time you eat a meal, and then you start to notice, wow, I'm starting to get a little burning sensation in my stomach maybe even feeling like a little bit of heartburn or some heat, that's probably telling you, or it is telling you, actually, that your body is starting to catch up and produce more of its own acid. So now you might be able to, to step back to three. And then a week or two later, you may notice, hey, I'm getting that, that warm kind of burning feeling again. and And that might be your body again saying, we're we're catching on here. We're we're doing better. We're producing more of our own acid. We could step back to two, so that's almost like a self-monitoring process. And mm-hmm. eventually, your body will heal. It will start producing its own stomach acid in good strength and quantity, and you'll be able to get off that supplement. Um, mm-hmm. But you mentioned something else that is a great indicator for people: Are your symptoms going away? Are you feeling better? That, that's really, I think, the best measurement of, of all, and, and you will feel better. If you do these things, things are going to resolve, and, and you'll feel it. So the other step that I kind of went over a little fast and I want to go back to now is the gallbladder liver issue, because this is almost universal. Um, because of our poor quality food and primarily low-fat foods, and we've, we've avoided fat for so long we've been afraid of it, that our gallbladder is just not working very well because it's kind of gone stagnant because if you don't have good quantities of fat in your diet, your gallbladder has nothing to do. And if you don't use it, you start losing that function. Um, if you are missing your gallbladder, which is very common, then there is you absolutely have to supplement. And you have to supplement with bile salts and digestive enzymes. Um, One of the things that we're going to be doing probably later this summer is we will start carrying and selling supplements. And we'll also have a recommendation program to go along with it. And a lot of it will happen through the show. Somebody calls, they tell me their situation. We work through some of the things that are going on. And we'll recommend a supplement and then we'll have it available uh, for order in our store. We can ship it right out to people and, you know, we can work with them directly. So the the gallbladder is an area where it it will be kind of a package and there'll be one recommendation if you're missing your gallbladder and then another recommendation if you have your gallbladder, but we know it's not performing really well. Um, And those are, two areas, stomach, gallbladder, liver where supplementation is necessary and eventually we can get off that supplement with the exception of if you don't have the gallbladder, you are going to have to supplement the rest of your life but it is critically important that you do so. We know fats are important in our diet and if we, if we can't digest them, then we are going to run into a whole bunch of health issues uh, because of that. So The good news is we can fix it. Um, Anything else you want to cover on this? I I think I may want to get to a couple questions and maybe see if there's um, specific things. People who maybe were listening last week and this week want to, you know, get back to or clarify. Um, What do you think?
0: Yeah, no, let's go right for the questions. Love to hear from people. All
1: right. Yeah, let's do that. So let's go to... uh, we're going to go to Brad in Wisconsin to get started. Brad, welcome to the program. What can we help you with?
2: I had two questions. One was about, you mentioned not eating too much protein, what the reason is right. for that. And the other one is about occasionally drinking alcohol, how that would work okay. in with a ketogenic diet.
1: Yeah, and I can address those both pretty well because I've experienced both of them and I've played around and tweaked and hacked on this. So here's the issue with protein. The whole idea behind a high-fat, moderate-protein, low-carbohydrate diet is primarily, one, to get us the right nutrient base because we need those nutrients that are in fat and, and we really don't need nutrients that are in most carbs, Um, But the other big one is controlling blood sugar. Blood sugar spikes and drops are what cause a lot of our metabolic diseases. It's even referred to as metabolic syndrome. Um, It leads to insulin resistance, diabetes, heart problems. I mean, the list just goes on and on. So it's primarily carbohydrates that spike your blood sugar. So on this diet, we lower carbohydrates way down so we don't get those blood sugar spikes but your body also has the ability to convert protein to glucose and glucose will spike your blood sugar so if you get low carbohydrate which is what we want but high protein your body will use protein to do muscle repair and all those things that it does And then it will take any of the excess protein and it will convert it to glucose and we'll get that same blood sugar spike. Um, So that's the primary reason. There are some other reasons uh, excess protein could lead to some symptoms of gout and some other things. So we just want to be moderate on the protein. Um, Kim, what's the formula that you use for protein and body weight?
0: Uh, you know what I've even changed that a little bit, Kevin, because I used to do um per kilogram now Dr Hyman, oh, I'll have to look it up while you're while we keep talking. He has one in his book that we just had it was like 0.68 of your body weight right now, and I calculated okay. that, and it was still seemed a little high for me um I've also seen um oh. Again, like you calculate it per kilograms and do .8 times, times it times .8 up to like 1.2 or 1.5, depending on your um, activity level.
1: So. Yes. Yeah. So we almost all of them tend to, even some of the formulas tend to be a little high. I think we're finding more and more that um, if you want to be really healthy, you'd be better off uh, under-consuming protein and that we most of us just don't need the levels that we've been eating or even Mm -hmm. the levels that we've been told. Again, this is kind of one of those areas where you're going to want to biohack. You know, one person's protein consumption could be very different from somebody else's, just like carbs. Um, So that's the protein thing. That's kind of why um, we want to be moderate on protein. The alcohol. Um, This one's kind of the same thing. Um, I'm not, I haven't quit drinking alcohol completely. I have cut back. Um, I I don't do it every night anymore. You know, I used to drink a little bit of alcohol with almost every meal, evening meal. I don't do that anymore, and I'll explain why when we get back. Uh, So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothman. All right, I'll give you a quick heads up here before we head into the final segment of this first hour. Um, We've got a lot of callers on the line, but not a lot of questions right now. So um, I have a couple questions uh, around this topic I'm going to get to or try to get to in this last segment. Um, But it's wide open right now. If you want to get through with a question, a comment, a topic, and we will do general questions if we need to in the second hour. Um, Go ahead and press 1 on your phone right now, and I promise if you press 1 right now, we will get to you, Uh, because like I say, questions are really light right now. So let's uh, go ahead and wrap up this first hour. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Kim Cockerham is with me. This is Destination Health, and we're going to go back to Brad in Wisconsin. So, Brad, one of the guys I follow, um, uh, Dave Asprey, who is the guy who created all the bulletproof stuff, bulletproof coffee and all those things, Um, and Dave considers himself a biohacker. I mean, this guy goes to really extremes to figure out all kinds of things nobody's ever even thought of before. Um, he has kind of settled in. It's interesting because I I kind of settled into the same place before I knew that he was, um, he's kind of settled into that place of staying on that bottom end of ketosis and actually moving in and out of ketosis. And I would can remember, I I think it was about six months ago. I said, you know, I've kind of settled where I I see benefit Mm -hmm. to being in full blown ketosis but I'd like the lifestyle better where I stay down towards that bottom end and and Mm -hmm. I move in and out. I still get the benefits, but I can eat more foods and it's not so restrictive. Um, And and Dave Asprey's kind of saying the same thing. He says, you know, his blood ketone levels stay usually between 0.5, which really isn't even considered nutritional ketosis, um, and about 1. And he moves in and out of it, and, and he thinks that that's a, a, a really beneficial way of doing this, and I tend to agree. Uh, and this is where the alcohol comes in. Uh, if I'm pretty good for four or five days and I'm eating pretty ketogenic and I can feel I'm in ketosis um, and and haven't had any alcohol, then I may have a night where I have a glass or two of wine, and who knows, sometimes three. I know that's going to knock me right out of ketosis. The next day, I will be producing almost no ketones at all. Um, But I'll usually recover in about 24 hours. And that is part of that moving in and out. I'll also kind of time that. If I'm going to have the alcohol, I know it's going to knock me out of ketosis anyway. That's the night I might eat a sweet potato with my meal. Um, Because I know there's some nutrition in there. I like it. The carbs are probably going to knock me out. So... I I might as well do it all at once. Um, I'll probably be out of ketosis for 24 hours or so, and then I'll go right back to it. And even if you did that a couple days in a row, not a big deal. Um, So I I think, Brad, to answer your question is you can put alcohol in, um, know that almost any alcohol, any amount, is pretty likely to knock you out of ketosis, but that may not be a big deal, and you can get right back into it pretty quickly. Does that help?
2: Yep. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Yeah. Hey, Kevin, Uh,
0: I want to add a little bit something on this because my whole biohacking thing going on these last couple weeks um, kind of um, comes into play here as well because, you know, I like wine and I like, you know, this I see as a lifestyle, the ketogenic or, you know, combination of keto, paleo, lifestyle, is a lifestyle, so, I enjoy having a drink with my husband and with my friends every now and then. Um, It depends on your goals too, Brad, because I, I have to, I'm still needing to lose 20 pounds and I was going back and forth and just pretty much maintaining. And I attribute some of that to um, the alcohol because your body will, it metabolizes the alcohol um, first and not be metabolizing the fat. So I did feel like it was slowing me up and um, I will find a place where because this is a lifestyle and um you can choose, you know, when you need to reel things in. Um and I've also you can also it depends on what you enjoy. I my number one choice is wine. I just enjoy everything about wine, thinking back to, you know, how it's made, everything. Um you can lean more towards the um hard alcohol like vodka and gin tequila, whiskey, that, um, that won't have as much effect on uh, ketosis as maybe the sugary type. And even when I go wine, I go dry red. Um, So it depends on your goals. Um, Sometimes you have to reel it in and um, find something to replace it, which I had to do like tea and um, get to where I want to be, where it fits back into my lifestyle.
1: That's excellent. And and I, I completely agree. And, you know, to give you an example, we have Six weeks leading up to the CMC, which is a big event for me. I I know I need to be at the top of my game. I will stay at the bottom end of ketosis um, until we get to about two weeks out, which for me means picking probably one night a week, maybe two. I'm like you, Kim. I really enjoy everything about wine. Um, (laughs) I'll usually pick one or two nights a week, and I'll have a glass or two, and I'll enjoy it. And I know I'm moving in and out of ketosis. Um, About two weeks prior to the event, I will stop the alcohol completely, and I will go full-blown ketogenic. Um, I will drop my carbs right back to 20 to 30 grams a day, go very high fat, because I know that I perform better in every Mm -hmm. way you can measure When I'm in that full-blown state of ketosis, I think clearer, I have way more energy, I can go longer in the day, I just feel really good, but I also know it's a really restrictive lifestyle. Uh, There are just a lot of foods you can't eat when you want to be in that state, and alcohol is one of them. So I want to find that balance, like you were just talking about, Kim, where uh, when there are times... Um leading up to something that I want to just be at the absolute top of my game for me being fully ketogenic does that for me. Mhm. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's see if we can get to another call or two here before we've got to wrap this up. Let's go to Wes in Jacksonville. Wes, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, yes. Hello. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see the, a, a former wrestler, somebody from a wrestling background is, uh, is out there leading the field in the, in, in nutrition and, and the whole industry. So that's a great thing, um, first thing. Thank you. Second thing, yeah, you bet. I, I'd like to back up all the way to the beginning, go back to the foundation. Uh, some research I've been doing on smelling your food and uh, about the olfactory processes that opens up. And there's things that we don't even know about yet that, I do know, this, this might be a good thing for a, you know, a comedy thing at your CMC. you got you got a, you got a circle of uh, owner-operators around, and, you know, maybe, maybe give one of them something that's, that doesn't smell like everybody else, and so everybody else is smelling their food and smiling. And, and this guy, you know, he takes <laughs> a whiff of his, his food. <laughs> I, yeah. I just thought that would be a dangerous thing, but...
1: It is, and, and you bring up a great point that I didn't cover, and I'm glad you did bring it up, because this is a very powerful part of the digestive process, but I don't think we understand a lot about it. But we don't need to. We know it is, and, and we can make that a part of it. So imagine this, when you were saying that, the first thing I pictured was we have a plate of food. We also know eating is very visual, we, we eat with our eyes. We see the food, and that starts that process in our brain. But then imagine as you're trying to slow down and get into that parasympathetic state that we want, imagine leaning over and taking a big, deep breath and inhaling the aromas of the food. Can't you just, like, feel that calming you down right now?
3: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think it like, you know, people talk about prayer. Or, you know, getting the frequency of the heart or whatever, like, like fear is opposite of love. And, like, if you're scared of what you're eating, you'll be in that, whatever, 20 hertz range or whatever. But if you're, like, really yeah. appreciative of what you're eating and you're smelling it, and not just smelling it, not take a quick whiff, you have to whoop her, you know, but you're, you know, you're smelling it for 10 or 15 seconds, you know. Everybody's like, hey, no on and do this in public. People be, like, freaking out on you, you know. You're over here, like, smelling your food, but, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, no, I, yeah, think I, think I mean, I don't do it think you could. could well, but, Okay. Yeah, let's let every – but but you're right. And there's also a lot of evidence that that process also signals the stomach, hey, food's coming. And it starts that digestive process. So you're right. That that was a great point that I missed.
3: Yeah. Uh, that's my all-out for you today. I'm, I'm still on a, um you know, jumping subject here. I'm still on the, on the fence about buying your trailer, but because I'm really like, uh, you know, I've only had my authority for eight months now, and um, I, I, I'm thinking about maybe renting a trailer for a couple months and trying it before I jump in and actually do it. You know, um, but um, I would uh, I'm highly still the recommend about it. I,
1: okay. I would highly recommend the rental for a couple reasons. One, it's a great trial. Renting a trailer is easy. It's easy. It's inexpensive. Um, there's very little downside, almost none. It it really lets you see what it's going to be like to stay hooked up to one trailer. Um, You may love it. You may hate it. There's another reason right now, though. I mean, I'm watching rates every day, and I'm watching load volumes. They are tanking. You know, this is... I I just think we're heading into one of those times where it pays to be a little more cautious. You know, when rates are booming and there's lots of freight, Your cash flow is really strong. The projections are looking good. That's the time where we can get a little more aggressive in investing in more equipment. Right now, I would say it's one of those times where we hold back a little bit. We get a little more conservative. And renting a trailer is not a big commitment, not a big expense. So I think you're on the right track there. Hey, Kim, any final words? The music's playing. Uh, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks for calling, Wes. Yeah, uh, I just appreciate everybody's questions, and, um, you know, just take this in your own hands and look for your own biohacking. I've really enjoyed this the last couple weeks.
1: Excellent. Great stuff. We will see you next time. Remember, be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and do the journey. I'm Kevin Proctor. All right, everybody, let me give you a uh, quick heads up here on what we're doing. Uh, We're going to head in. Let me see if we're going to head into a second hour. I have to make sure I have enough questions. Uh, Looks like we should. We've got a lot of questions on the line. I don't know. We have a lot of questions on the line. Um, So we'll start screening those. Um, And, again, if they're health-related, we'll get to them. If they're general questions, we'll get to those as well. Uh, So, Kim, are you going to hang around with me?
0: I'd love to.
1: Yeah, we still have quite a few more health-related questions, and uh, they're at the top, so we'll get to those first. Here we go.
2: Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket.
1: Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator. The list goes on and on. If you've got a question about anything at all, pick up the phone. Give me a call. We'll talk about it. Tonight is kind of a mixed bag. We're kind of doing a the hybrid show tonight we were doing destination health and we had so many questions um that we didn't get to them all so we're carrying some of those into tonight but we may also get to a lot of general questions as well we'll just see how it goes uh, i'm not going to do an open uh my co-host on destination health is with us kim cockerham kim anything you want to open with tonight
0: oh gosh you know um Thanks for asking. I had heard a guy talk, uh, one of the doctors that I get an email from, and it's a real short videos, and it kind of goes in line with, it goes really in line with you talking the north to south as far as I, digestion. And I was always guilty of this, is that, you know what, I wanted to lose weight to feel better, and he's saying that whole strategy is backwards. It's, you know, feeling healthy first, um, you know, doing what you need to do with your diet to have energy and be relaxed to take care of stress and cravings and bloating and so forth and then if your goal is to lose weight then that will come off but so we always had it backwards before you know and um i like your um teaching us about the north to south where in your head you know start there and slow down and enjoy your food enjoy be grateful for you know everything good and bad actually it puts you in the right frame of mind and um, focus on that, and the rest kind of falls into place.
1: Great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the beauty of this, and I want to keep saying this, is that many people in our country and certainly are in our industry are feeling like they know they have health problems. We look around. We see them everywhere. It, it's all over the place. They feel out of control. They're taking multiple mm-hmm. medications. They're just barely passing, you know, CDL physicals. Um, and, and they don't know what to do, and traditional medicine is honestly failing us in this area. It's making things worse. The exciting thing is the fix is is totally in our control, and it comes down to two things, good diet and then making sure we digest that food. If we do that, it's so exciting to know if we handle those two things Almost everything else, if not everything else, will resolve itself. That that's amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, I it's hard to embrace that because we want quick answers and quick results. But I think I remember you say a couple shows ago is that you with this you just feel happy. You know, you just have this energy and you have this different happiness, and that's what I think um, is a real t- intangible. A result that it's hard to share with people and um, I just say trust it trust the process do this you know follow um, what we're trying to teach and experience some of that feeling that you have you know the energy and the you know especially the energy the no cravings that you can't even um, imagine having
1: you know, you bring up another good point that we haven't touched on a lot. We we have focused primarily on physical symptoms, um, blood sugar control, mm-hmm. diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol, digestive issues. Those are all physical things. There is just irrefutable evidence that our moods are completely controlled by our diet and our digestive system, in fact, so much that our gut is now being called our second brain Mm -hmm, and our mm -hmm. gut produces more of those good chemical messengers that we need in our brain. Our gut produces more of those than our brain does. And it's a a benefit that's hard to describe to people. I, I describe it as I'm a pretty happy, positive person. I have been my whole life. I think a lot of that wasn't luck of the draw. Um, I think a lot of that is because most of my life I've tried to be healthy. Um, I haven't always done the right things, but I I have eaten a lot of whole real foods most of my life because I love to cook, and I think I was just fortunate. Um, But once I switched and really, you know, went grain-free, went high-fat, now I'm working on my digestive process. And what I notice is every step, I I just get happier. I don't know how else to describe it. In fact, I talk about sometimes just sitting there being happy for no apparent reason. (laughs) And what a wonderful feeling that is. Yeah,
0: everybody deserves that. Yeah.
1: So one of the diets that I talked about, you'll hear me refer to the GAPS diet. And I don't always stop to, to talk about what that stands for. Um, this was developed by one specific doctor researcher. She was a, uh, a Russian uh, biochemist, I think. Um, and then she came to the U.S. and she was working with people that had digestive problems. And she also realized that the, the worse somebody's digestive systems were and their symptoms they, they had psychological symptoms, and they went hand-in-hand. Hand. If somebody had mild digestive issues, they had mild psychological issues. If they had severe uh, digestive issues, they had severe um, psychological issues, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, um, ADHD, brain fog. And there is a, a direct correlation. So her diet that she developed – is called gaps it's the gut and psychology uh syndrome so Hmm. she absolutely links the two together and when you fix the digestive issues you fix the psychological issues it's pretty amazing Um, so it's just there's there's so much Uh, but you know what sometimes when we talk about it in that way it makes it sound like some miracle cure and it's too (laughs) good to be true and I, I always want to come back to, it's not a miracle cure. It's just the way our body was designed to work. And all we're yeah. doing is getting back. If our body didn't work that way, if we didn't have real vitality and health and we didn't have you know um, good, strong psychological senses and, and a feeling of happiness and well-being and optimism, if we didn't have those things, we would not have survived as a species. We wouldn't even be on the planet. And we're here, and we, you know, we've inhabited every square inch of the planet, the only species that can do that. But we're losing that. And, and all we're talking about is getting back to that point. We think it's amazing because most of our generation, um, you and I are about the same age, we've never experienced this we grew up on that that poor american diet
4: mm-hmm.
1: and and mm-hmm. now when you get a chance to you know feel these things and you try to describe it to somebody else sometimes they look at you like you're just looney tunes
0: yeah 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 it's a whole different it's a whole different way so and you know we've got a lot of a lot of people that have been a part of our community for a long time that are that are experiencing this and um love to hear from them if they're out there press one and share what it's done for you. We'd love to hear it.
1: Absolutely. So let's uh let's jump over to Texas real quick and talk to Harold. Harold, welcome to the program.
2: Hello Karen, how you doing?
1: Good. What's on your mind today?
2: Hey uh, with that uh dietary side of it then I actually sitting down and preparing the meal and smelling the aromas and getting your Body ready to consume, in comparison to grabbing a burger and run and wolfing that down, where you never gave your body a chance to digest it. Absolutely, and I think, I I, you know
1: I go back to what I was just saying that um, I've been pretty happy and positive most of my life, and I think one of the reasons why was my way of of winding down and de-stressing after, you know, a day of working, for me, that's getting in the kitchen because I love to cook. It's where I relax. It's where I slow down. My mind doesn't really need to focus on a lot because I've cooked for so long. It's a very natural process. I don't have to think. It's almost meditative for me to be in the kitchen. And then after that, I'm in a very good state to eat. Uh, now, I, I wish I don't do that every meal. I, I want to focus more on doing that. But I think I've probably done it um, much more than most people, and I think that's one of the things that's helped me stay a, a little healthier and happier. So, yeah, you bring up a great point. The, the process and, and the ritual of preparing food um, is a great way to get your body and mind prepared to eat the food. Kim, that's a great point.
0: Very, very good point, and especially if you got a chance to do it with somebody, somebody else, you know, so that social aspect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's the music. We've got to get to a break. When we come back, we're just going to jump right back to your calls and questions. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. My co-host is Kim Cockerham, and we're going to get right back to the calls and questions. We're off to Minnesota. Dean, welcome to the program.
2: Hi, Kevin. Say uh, a couple, three questions. I've got uh, diabetes with high blood pressure, and I take pills for medications, and every six months we do the uh, A1C test. What other blood what other blood tests you know when they do it for testing they only want to test for so many things what other ones would you have them test for you know now, this is they do a, the um, uh,
1: this is a very individual question. One of the things I would say, there are lots and lots of blood tests we can do, and there's a lot we can learn about our body and our diet and our deficiencies. And, but one of the things I would say right now is, is don't overwhelm yourself. You have a clear issue that I would focus on and that you can cure. I don't care what the doctors say anymore. Diabetes is completely curable. Now, not type 1. I want to be clear about that. Type 2 is completely curable. And when you cure the diabetes, the, the high blood pressure tends to resolve, the high cholesterol issues tend to resolve, heart disease tends to resolve. So rather than think about other blood tests right now, I would focus on that A1C. I would also be monitoring, I, I assume you are monitoring blood sugar daily with the glucose meter as well?
2: I don't do it daily, but I do monitor it, yes. Um, okay. It's in about I would, 130.
1: Okay. I, I would focus there because that is such a, an important target. You do have control over it. You know, here's the thing. Um, i It's almost criminal to me the way our medical system handles diabetes because it is such a big problem, but it is completely curable. And all we have to do is think of the logic behind this. We know that diabetes just means we have too much sugar in our blood. It means that our body has to release so much insulin to counteract it day after day after day that our pancreas starts to wear out and that our cells start becoming resistant to insulin. We understand the entire mechanism. And, and here's the thing. The simple, logical way to fix this is if you don't put the sugar in your body, it can't end up in your blood. That, that's, that's it. That's the end of the story. And, and so many people have proven this. And, and the benefits are tremendous. It's life-changing and life-saving. So I I would say to you, get laser-focused on getting your blood sugar under control because that's where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck, is you will see so many health benefits from getting that blood sugar under control that I don't even want you thinking about any of the other issues yet. Does that make sense?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, One other question I have, uh, when I take my pills, you know, the Janumet's more like a horse pill. But any of the pills that I take, I'll swallow and they will hang up right below or at the Adam's apple area. And I will have to take to, like, anything, just to flush it. I can't flush it with water. I have gone in. I have gone in, and they've shoved a tube down my throat to make sure there's no obstruction or anything. And they say everything is fine. You know, I'd have to go do a more strict uh, test or whatever to find out what's going on. But, but this is yeah, started me, here in the last year.
1: Let me give you a couple ideas on that. So the, the one that you uh, mentioned by name there, is that a pill or a uh, capsule?
2: No, it's,
1: not. it's a pill. So here's the thing. Um, with a pill, we've always kind of, we throw some pills in our mouth, we tip our head back, and we swallow. Now, that works good with a pill. The pill is heavy enough that it sinks to the back of your throat when you tilt your head back. Um, the problem is capsules are the opposite. Capsules float, so when you tilt your head back with a mouth full of water, the capsule floats forward and now makes it much more difficult to swallow. So one of the first things is don't take pills and capsules together in the same swallow. When you take pills, go ahead and tip your head back, get a good good mouthful of water and swallow deliberately and completely. And just be very focused on doing that. Then when you take a capsule, put the water in the capsule in your mouth and tip your head forward, look down, and the capsule will float right to the back of your throat and make it much easier to swallow.
2: Okay, yeah, I've tried a few different things and it always sticks right there. And then after I do take something to push them down, it seems like then right on my right, Chest area, um, I can feel an irritation. Like that's where they're at.
1: Yeah, you the know, other they only thing you might want to do then, uh, you might want to break these these larger pills up, break them up into smaller pieces. Now make sure they're not some sort of timed release. Usually pills aren't though; those are almost always capsules. So one of the things is just break these up into smaller pieces, um, and then be very deliberate about swallowing. And I I think that should probably take care of it. Let's go to Montana. Gary, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi,
2: Kim.
0: Hi, Gary.
1: What's on your mind today?
2: I have, well, we keep going back. I keep hearing, you know, too much protein and stuff like that. I'm a 170-pound guy. I kind of want to know, you know, how much steak I can eat, you know, as far as three ounce, six ounce, or a pound you know, whichever, you know, we all know that I want pound, but I, I got <laughs> just kind of trying to figure that one out. And also I had talked to you probably a couple of weeks ago about gout that I had and you had mentioned nutmeg and something else. I don't know if it was a felfa sprout, a felfa tablet, a felfa whatever. And my gout, I can, I have it. I can feel that there yet, but it's just barely there. I, you know, I, if I, Put my finger on it and push on it. I know it's there, but I don't feel it when I'm walking anymore.
1: Well, good. And,
2: and um, we'll come back
1: to the uh, uh, the gout issue. Um, definitely, the nutmeg um, will do that. Um, let's talk about the protein first. Um, so. Uh, You know, you're going to have to kind of biohack this a little bit, but we can give you some guidelines. Um, I would say at your weight, I would be shooting for a target of no more than 75 to 100 grams of protein a day. Um, Kim, you might run some numbers for me and see. I was kind of doing that in my head. Um, See if that makes sense to you based on the formulas. Um, And just to give you an idea... Depending on what cut of steak, obviously the less fatty a cut rib. is. I, 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 I,
2: I like ribeye. I just I always like the fattier ones. I always have.
1: Okay, good. So I'll give you the exactly for a ribeye then. Um, if you were to eat nine ounces of ribeye, nine ounces of ribeye is about seventy-two grams of protein. Wow. So just, yeah, just, so just with one nine ounce steak for the day, you're at your bottom end. I mean, you've got to watch, you know, eating much more protein than that. This is what I say when I say almost all of us tend to overdo the protein. If you want to be really healthy, you'd be surprised. How and I I'm guilty of this too. There are days I blow through 150 to 200 grams of protein. I like meat, so this is one that I, I've got to focus on and work on. But that gives you an idea. Nine ounces yep, of, of ribeye, 72 grams. Yep, and my,
2: yeah, and my my barbecue sauce is uh is a uh, grass fed mm-hmm. butter.
1: Excellent, and that's good. Because that will help you to eat less of the protein because the fat is satisfying and will help you feel full and satisfied without eating as much of the protein. So that's a a, a good trick. You add lots of fat uh, to the meal with the protein so that you can cut the protein back. But I, I think that people are surprised when they find out how much protein is in fairly small servings of you know meats yep all, all right yeah, gary, so uh oh, go ahead kim
0: looks yeah i think you hit it right on the nose kevin because um and gary brought up a good point too it's like he was talking about in one meal as well you know so that's um that's a little bit i see that different because i've heard um and and love to hear your opinion on this like how you know, i hear four to six ounces but again it depends on what kind of protein you're having um i've been trying to focus on having the non-starchy vegetables so if you have a nice you know dark green leafy salad with that as well or some broccoli you know that kind um then that helps you be more satisfied with maybe even a little bit less protein
1: yes absolutely so uh there's the uh There's the music. I've got to get to a break. We will come back and we'll get to more of these calls and questions. So stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rothbard. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. Uh, we're going to get right back to the questions as we've got lots of them on hold. Um, we are off to Minnesota. Brad, welcome to the program.
2: Hey, Kevin and Kim. Hope you guys are doing well today.
1: Hi, Brad. Yes, I'm
2: fine. Um, I called a couple of weeks ago about exercise, and I was the one that had both legs dumbbells in the truck, and I use those for lifting weights, and you had mentioned that uh, I should do it every third day, but I know myself, and if I don't exercise at least every other day, I'm just going to kind of be like, eh, I don't need to do it, I'll do it another day, and then I'll just keep going, and I'll never exercise, so at least for the first couple of weeks here, I've been working out every other day. Um, is that going to be detrimental to me? Should I just back off and go to that every third day? Or can I do this for two to three weeks just to get in that routine?
1: No, you, there, there are lots of ways we can structure this. So the good news is, is you can work out almost as many days as you want. If you structure the workouts properly, um, So instead of saying, okay, I'm going to wait three days and do a full-body workout, you can break up different muscle groups. So, for example, I'll give you one of the schedules I used to like when I actually did a six-day workout routine. Now, I think that's a little extreme, but if you were going to do that, here's how I did it. My first day would be all pushing exercises because pushing exercises tends to... Um, work the chest, the triceps, and the shoulders. So, for example, push-ups, bench press, anything where you're pushing weight away tends to highlight the the chest, the triceps, and the shoulders. The next day, I would do primarily pulling exercises. So pull-ups and bent rows and things where you're pulling the weight towards your body they tend to focus on the back and the biceps. So we've separated out the groups. Then on my third day, I would do all legs. So now, by the time I get to the fourth day, it's been three days since I've worked out my chest, triceps, and shoulders. So I can do it again, and then back and biceps, and then legs. So that's a six-day schedule, but you're only hitting each muscle twice a week. So that's one way of doing it. And you can mix and match this any way you want. What you want to focus on is you don't want to hit a muscle again until that muscle itself has had three days um, is okay. a good number. So there's lots of ways you could structure it and work out every day, every other day, twice a week, whatever it might be. Kim, any, any thoughts on that? I know you do a lot of work in this area.
0: Yeah, no, exactly, Brad. I'd be the same way as you. If I did it every three days, it would get lost. And so I um, do something usually about every day. I watch even my cardio um, and be careful and not overtax something. So, you know, and it's just the way Kevin does here. It's exactly what I like to do. And it just keeps my habits working better. And it doesn't take as long, you know.
2: Okay, that sounds good. And then I also had a couple questions on food. Um, I was in a Walmart last weekend, and I found some asparagus in a jar, a glass jar, and the only ingredients was asparagus, water, and salt. Is that okay? I understand it's not organic or anything like that, but for the time being, that was all I could find. And I wanted to try it out. (laughs) Uh, How is that? And then um, do you have any good recipes for barbecue sauce? The sugar uh, yeah it, yeah.
1: Obviously. yeah, let me get to that in a second, so there's a good chance that asparagus water and salt is exactly what we want. What I would look for on the label, did you happen to read anywhere where it said words like fermented, raw, probiotic, any of those kind of things?
2: no, that was the uh that was the other downfall. It didn't say fermented or any of those other words,
1: yeah, so. That That's not bad food. There's not a lot of ingredients in there that we would have to worry about, but it's not a probiotic food. And that's really what we're looking for, those gut healing, good probiotic, good bacteria. So I, I'm going to put that food as kind of neutral. There's nothing really bad about it, um, but there's nothing overly good about it either. It hasn't been naturally fermented. We haven't released the nutrients. We haven't created the probiotics. So I I would say that one's kind of neutral, um, which isn't a bad thing, but I strive to make, you know, most of my food choices something um, beneficial. And then the barbecue sauce. I am still experimenting with this. Um, I I found one on the market called Annie's Naturals that – is a little high in sugar but if you you watch the uh, but the rest of the ingredients are really clean. Um, so if I want just pure convenience I, I might I keep some of that around and I might use that I just watch how much of it um, I'm playing around with making my own very very low sugar barbecue sauce I'm not quite there yet um, and I'm starting to see a lot of local Uh, food companies start up addressing these kind of things. So I I was in the Whole Foods here um, in Omaha, and I noticed a whole line of very, very high-quality, low-sugar condiments. So dressings, uh, mayonnaise, barbecue sauce. So you can play around with the recipe of your own, which I'm still working on, um, or you can try to find one on the market. But it is a challenge. Um, I haven't found a real good answer to that one yet, and I love barbecue
0: sauce. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I, You too, Kim?
0: I, yeah, I just go, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> and it makes you yeah. sick when you look on the back of them, but I am the same way. I still have to find one. I Google like crazy, so um, I have to find one as well. So, hey, Brad, I hope if you find one too, share with us, okay, so we can put it out there.
1: Yeah, if if I find one, we will certainly uh post it. If I come up with the recipe, I'll post that. I'm still kind of working on it. Let's go to Arizona Kurt. Welcome to the program. Hi. I was wondering
5: about the Oxbio supplement that's all what I've been seeing on the internet whenever you had talked about bio supplement.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so let There's me ask Ox you a question. Do do you still have your gallbladder? No, sir. Okay, so this is a good question because almost all of us need some support, supplemental support in this area till we get everything healed. But we have to treat it very differently, with gallbladder, without. So I'll address yours first, without your gallbladder, which is pretty common. You do need to supplement with bile salts, which is what you're talking about here. Ox bile is one of the most common. You also want that, that supplement to have some digestive enzymes in it as well and some usually beet concentrate uh, to support the liver. Uh, again, we're going to be bringing online our line of professional-grade supplements that, that you have to have a license to be able to sell. Um, probably by late summer, maybe a little sooner. The CMC will kind of throw a monkey wrench in some of that, though. Um, So I will be recommending two supplements from this line, one for people without their gallbladder, um, which is the ox bile, the bile salts, and the digestive enzymes and the um, beet concentrate for liver support so yes that's what you would be looking for you would want your supplement to contain the ox bile if you have your gallbladder you don't need the the bile salts themselves you need the enzymes the digestive enzymes and the liver support from the beet. so there's two supplements i'm going to be recommending one for people without their gallbladder one for people with Um, If you're interested in in that supplement, you specifically, send an email to support at Let's Truck. We're not really set up to sell them yet, but I I have access to them so I can get them to you. Um, It's just going to be a, we're just going to have to do it on the phone. Um, You'd place the order, we'd take the payment, we'd have it drop shipped to you.
5: Okay, that sounds great. And uh, how soon are
1: you going to be up with this? part of it. Uh, If you were to call today, we could probably get that done in a couple days. I mean, on a limited basis, (laughs) directly working with people who are willing to send an email or call, um, we should be able to get that done in a couple days. Okay. And I thank you all very much. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You know, Kim, I'm not you know me. I'm, I'm not a big fan of supplements. I think mm-hmm. we should try to get our nutrition out of Whole Foods. But I, I, the more I'm into this and, and studying them right now is something I'm required to do anyway. I'm kind of excited about a, a good high-quality line of targeted supplements where we've identified what somebody's problem is and we do have a supplement to, to fix it. Or in this case, with gallbladder, this is something you would have to take the rest of your life, but it really does make a difference. So you will hear us talking a little bit more uh, about supplementation. I think it can help. Let's, uh, let's get to a break. We'll come right back. And I'll try to get to as many questions as we can. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Cuffman. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. My co-host is Kim Cockerham. We're going to get right back to the phones. We're off to Texas this time. Eugene, welcome to the program.
6: Hi, Kevin.
5: Thanks for taking my call today. Uh, You're welcome. I, we'll can- a, I just had a real quick uh, question there. I, uh, I went to an endocrinologist uh, a while back now, and he said that I had a uh, autoimmune diabetes. Uh, I didn't realize that there was anything more than type 1 and type 2, and I'm kind of confused about that. And I'm wondering if the uh-huh. uh, AIP diet or the uh, and ketogenic diet works real well on keeping my sugar down, but I'm not quite
1: there. And I okay, was wondering what so else let, I might let, be able to do. Let's talk about this because there is a lot of confusion, and I may need a little more information. So there is type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Let's talk real quick about the difference. Type yeah. 2, which is the most common and growing like crazy and very common in trucking, is completely lifestyle-induced. It is a matter of too much carbs, too, too much sugar over a lifetime that wears out A couple things. Your pancreas tired of trying to produce insulin over and over and over, and it starts losing its ability to produce insulin, but it still produces insulin. That's a key here. In type 2, your body still produces insulin, but it's not as good at it. It's a little worn out, and your cells start refusing the insulin. So insulin's job is to take sugar that's in your bloodstream and move it into your cells to be used for energy. And that's what gets it, that's what lowers your blood sugar because it moves, insulin moves it out of the bloodstream into the cells. So insulin is like the key that makes the cell open up so the sugar can get in. Well, after a while, the cells start getting tired of all the sugar. And they start saying to the insulin, too bad, we're not opening the door. And that's why your blood sugar stays constantly elevated and your insulin stays elevated, and that's what causes the problems. That's type 2. That can be reversed. Absolutely 100% can be reversed with diet and lifestyle. It's been proven many, many times. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease. So if, if he is telling you you have an autoimmune diabetes. He. It, uh, this is where I'm a little confused. I'm not sure why he didn't just clarify that it's type 1. When did you contract this? When did uh, it start? Well, I first, uh, I
5: first started at age 21, and I'm 41 now, so 20 years ago I so, was diagnosed with type 2. So and, then that uh, is very likely.
1: Type yeah. 1,
4: yeah. So
1: he told here's me that what
5: happens seven, yeah, I would one. have to go on insulin, but I'm trying to stay off of it as long as possible
1: and, and diet will certainly do that. you need to be very very low sugar low carb i mean there there is no in my opinion, there is no number that would be too low for you like you okay. don't need carbs to live the fewer you eat, the better you're gonna be um, so type one is an autoimmune disease, and now we believe that type 1 will probably be linked back to leaky gut. So it comes back to digestion again. Most autoimmune diseases are. So what happens is your body, your own immune system, attacked the beta cells in your pancreas. And, and they, they for destroyed the beta cells so that your pancreas is no longer capable of producing insulin or it produces very, very little. That's why type one, um, you will be insulin dependent. Where type two, it's pretty extreme when you get to the point where you're insulin dependent. But that that's that's what he meant when he said you have an autoimmune diabetes, that is a type one. Your Your body attacked your own pancreas and the beta cells, and now they don't produce insulin anymore. Whereas in type two, you could still be producing lots of insulin. Your body just doesn't accept it anymore. Uh, let's go to uh, Pennsylvania. Jeff, welcome to the program.
2: Hello, Kevin. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, You're
1: welcome. Heard, What's up? I
2: heard you uh, talking uh, you know, about your ketogenic diet being low on carbs, medium Protein and high on fat, and I understand what your your body does to uh, carbohydrates as far as turning into sugar. And you said that protein will your body will actually do the same. How how does the body treat the fat? Like, can can you take in too much fat? Or if your if your body is not uh, producing enough bile from your gallbladder and so on, what what are the symptoms of that? Or what happens is when when that occurs so
1: you know, so I'm sure there is a level of fat that's too high um but it it's it's probably most people aren't approaching it, it It's hard to get that much fat in your diet. You have to really work at it. Um, Kim, what was um Dr. Hyman's number? I mean, he was talking about very healthy diets up in the seventy-five and eighty percent fat range, wasn't he?
0: hmm Yeah, yeah. Of the of the good fats, which um, um, to me, and you might add to this, is just you know the avocados, the coconut oils. Those are what I focus on, and the grass-fed butter. Um,
1: yeah, and, and when you think about a, a two thousand calorie a day diet, or twenty-five hundred calories for a male and we start thinking about that, that works out to about 2,000 calories from fat. Now, that's a, a, a the Director of Functional Medicine of the Cleveland Clinic, um, and that's a good book to go read, Eat Fat, Get Thin. Um, that is a lot of fat. That's hard to eat that much. So yeah. you may not get to that point, um, most people probably are not eating too much fat. What they might be eating are poor quality fats um, and fats that aren't good for them. But if you're eating good quality fats, it's pretty difficult to eat too much. That, that's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, Matt just reminded me, this is a good point, um, fat is almost self-regulating. You can't eat too much your body will stop you from eating too much fat is very satisfying um so your body will say enough already
2: whereas so with you're...
1: carbs especially your body will never do that y- your body will let you overeat carbs all the time in fact it will encourage you to overeat carbs fat's the opposite your body will give up and it'll say i've had enough
6: it'll just
5: it'll just say hey i'm full stop huh?
1: That's it. Yeah, you you just won't have, um, you just won't have an appetite. You will not want to eat it. Your your mind and your body um, will work together. And, and again, this this starts to become the evidence as to why this is our natural diet, because the body gets it. the body says, hey, look, we're getting the right stuff. You can stop eating now. You won't have an appetite. When we get the wrong stuff, the stuff that's not good for us, carbs, your body keeps saying, hey, wait a minute, you mm-hmm. ate all those carbs. We didn't get the stuff we needed. You've got to go eat more. And until you eat the stuff your body needs, you'll just keep eating. That's why we overeat. You will not overeat on a high-fat diet. You, you oh, just won't. No, that makes now, now, make sense. You yeah. will if you eat. You will if you eat a high-fat, high-carb diet at the same time. You will really overeat and cause some problems. But if you've got the right balance, high fat, moderate protein, low carb, your appetite will work exactly the way it is supposed to, and then you can follow it. You eat when you're hungry. You don't eat when you don't, when you're not. That's simple. Now, the symptoms. Now, what you can, you bring up another good point, though. If you don't have a properly functioning digestive system, and if you're not doing all those things we outlined, the right state of mind, chewing your food completely, making sure you have good, strong stomach acid, because those are the steps that have to happen before the liver and gallbladder so they get their signals correct. So you got to get those three right. Right frame of mind, chew properly, do the hydrochloric acid challenge and find out if you need support there. Then we would address the liver and gallbladder. The issues you will find uh, symptoms. If you eat a high-fat meal, you'll get nauseous. Um, if you eat a high-fat meal, you'll tend to get a pain right under the the lower edge of your right rib cage. You'll notice some pain and discomfort right there. That's where your liver and gallbladder is. Um, you could get uh, diarrhea from too much fat undigested. Um, Those are the primary symptoms you're going to see, and it's pretty common. And and when people go to this high-fat diet, a lot of that stuff comes out. I'm, I'm dealing with it now, but it's fairly easy to address with all the things we've talked about in digestion. So, Kim, there's the music. We're out of time again. Anything you want to close with?
0: Great show, you guys. Just enjoy this journey. You're worth it.
1: Fantastic. Great stuff. And uh, we'll see you back here next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.
2: Kevin Ruffin.